Hi, I'm Lockie Bradford. Hi, I'm Robbie Hicks. And, and this, this is Uncommon. Uncommon is a production by Neural, an agency that helps both brands and talent tell their story. To learn more, just visit neural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. My guests this week, we have Lockie Bradford and Robbie Hicks, hosts of Funny Business and co-founders of Wellbeings Group. Uh, I was thinking about little openers that can involve you both. We've got someone's exploded knee Mm -hmm. or pro-surfing. Oh, I reckon go the exploded knee. You I'm in the to shorts today that. too, so. He wanted to show it off. He I said beforehand, he goes, I want people to see my scars. Like it's, like my, it's like my dad's knee, actually. He did the exact same injury. Really? Yeah. Probably similar age. When did you do it? I did mine about five years ago now. So okay. I got the, it is, it is middle of winter. I've got the hairy legs, so I thought I'd get them out today. But it's funny. the uh, you, you do have a solarium at home too, so you jump in that a fair bit to make sure don't. the pins are looking good. I definitely good. don't. But it's, it's a uh, yeah, exploding <laughs> knee, about five years ago, playing playing footy at my local club where I grew up. I uh, sh- really shitty day, got tackled, leg got stuck underneath me, didn't really think of anything. Oh, but I had a few other injuries playing sport, like a sporting background, like kind of shoulder, had OP, just like things that had happened but never had like a an injury that was going to fucking derail and change, pretty much change my life. So I did end up um, snapping my MCL at both ends, detaching it, doing it my ACL and my PCL, had staples in there, multiple surgeries over multiple years and – that one sort of time, I didn't really understand, I guess, the gravity of what it would be, but that one injury drastically said your time of doing shit as your identity linked to you as a sports person, that's it's gone. That's gone. Yeah. And I didn't, it, took, it took me a while to come to grips to that because I guess coming off the back of playing footy and doing shit that I still, my head was still wrapped up in sports. Mm. But it was good because now I look back and I, I was starting to do my master's at, the, at, that, at that time. I remember the day after doing my knee, I was like all hopped up on endones. I'm just like, I was all space cadet out, but I still had one essay to go. So I remember sitting there the next day, pumping out like three and a half thousand words in a day with my leg strapped up like this going, oh, I'll be right. We were living together at the time, actually. We, okay. we just started living together and um, moved out with the girls. So my partner, Tars, and uh, his now wife, Em. So... I, I saw everything behind the scenes of when he done his knee, come back, and so it was pretty brutal for you, to be honest. Like, yeah, it was pretty, it's it, pretty yeah. crazy because I like I had like f- nearly four months leg brace, crutches, working mm. in the city, trying to do a fucking corporate job, working in in project delivery and project do- governance, sitting there like fat as a house in a suit because I couldn't do any exercise. It was, it was weird. <laughs> you were having don-dons every day, weren't you? Yeah. For, oh, for those who are in Melbourne or in Melbourne, you don't know don-dons Japanese. Do you know don-dons yeah. Japanese? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I had it every day to the point where I'd walk in and they just... They'd roll you out. They'd yeah. roll me out into the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chicken curry with extra carrot. Yes, thanks. Yeah. Just on that table, please. And you get used to the fact, like if you were playing AFL, VFL, whatever level it may be, you're consuming a massive amount of energy. So you get used to eating at a certain level. It's very hard to bring that back down. Uh, you see a lot of people who have finished sports and they blew out. Oh, they blew out because it's exactly that. They go from having a, an active life where they don't actually understand how active they are. You might be training three or four times a week. You've got a game. You're doing your extra stuff. You're doing your Pilates, whatever. Then you go to have a – you finish your sports career and you move into the real world and you have a job where you sit at a fucking desk for most of the day and you're like, how come I can't eat the same amount anymore? And how come I, my jeans <laughs> Why can't I eat 4,000 calories? Yeah, somewhere? 100%. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's why you got the exercise ball and you sat on that for a bit, didn't you? Yeah. The I stand never, up desk. Did I you do, do that? that? I didn't I, do the stand up desk. I wouldn't like I would like to. I heard this thing the other day that – um, is it Stephen Martin? He has something like 12 maxi bonds after a game. I love that. Really? Is that yeah. a fact? 
Like immediately after the game, he'll come into the change rooms and just wolf down maxi bonds. I've never heard of anyone See, ben, ben to Cousin, do that until your level, your yeah, level well, of icy pole eating. Yeah, well, Ben Cousins rewarded himself with some some hard drugs, and oh, <laughs> Stephen Martin just goes straight to the maxi bonds. You know, how good is that? Hey, not a bad vice to have. One's, it's not a bad vice to have. Yeah, Honeycomb. Sugar's addictive, though. You know, sugar I'm is, addicted to sugar. I'll admit yeah, it. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm pretty bad. Do you guys have a favourite maxi bond flavour? Oh, I'm not a maxi bond man. You like this, but your Fuck, story cream about on cyclones. <laughs> oh yeah, what's that? Sorry, I said cream on bloke. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We yeah. we had um, probably the most loved icy pole ice cream for me is the paddle pop cyclones. I don't know if you've okay had them before, yeah, but yeah, cyclones can polish them off pretty quick. But yeah, Stephen Martin. That's a weird fact. That's I like that respect. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> so I there's do. like a. Jacob's probably having a chuckle because he's probably seen the group. There's a group on Facebook called um, Blokes and Their Ice Creams, and it's just it's mainly guys just eating Maxi Bonds. To be honest, really, <laughs> yeah. Maxi Bond is the ice cream of choice. It's pretty weird because you put your fingers where you eat. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's a that's a weird <laughs> that's a weird ice cream in general, isn't it? I like it. It's a good ice cream. Yeah. Um, what's uh, for both of you individually? What's sort of your earliest inception memory? Maybe we'll start with you, Lockie. What's sort of your earliest memory of life? Of life, um, oh, that's a good question. I reckon maybe jumping on the trampoline, wrestling the teddy bear. I used to think I was Jeff Hardy back in the day. So when I think back, I think that's one that sticks out quite. Yeah, primarily, I used to jump off the bungalow roof and onto the thing, and used to come out to the entrance music and all that sort of shit. So probably growing up, that's probably one that sticks out. I love it. Okay. You still have the entrance music too. You come oh. into the room. He turns his, whenever we go into his house. He turns the music on because that's his that's his thing. Always louder than you possibly would like music on. <laughs> like you can't have a conversation when nah. locks in the room. But entrance nah. music coming through. Yeah, Jeff Hardy. So it's sort of just rolled on and it hasn't really stopped. But yeah, <laughs> I was a big wrestling fan. So yeah, growing up, probably playing footy and stuff down at the local club with dad and stuff. Just the normal, basic sort of stuff. I don't know. What about you, Rob? I don't know. Nothing. No? I can't remember the, the you earliest used to go memory. To, well, yeah, when you were going to work with your dad and stuff like that. Well, as a kid, I used to, like, my old man runs a, he's a sparky by trade, runs Hicks Electric, so family business was what helped put us through school and all mm. that sort of thing. So spending holidays, going to work, seeing what how what he does and what businesses help set up our life was really interesting. And I think from, like, earliest memories, I just think we're pretty, just lot comes from a similar sort of background, very close-knit family, spend very family-orientated, spend a mm. lot of time doing fucking having fun having, having fun having fun with cousins and yeah. shit you know yeah. did you both so you live in Torquay now did you both grow up there no no Where'd so you, our, our I guess our association down there I was lucky enough that my grandparents had a house down at Aries Inlet so oh, yeah. um, for as long as I could remember I'd be going down there I did a lot of stuff in the Surf Lifesaving Club I actually did as a kid I did a lot of like Surf Lifesaving competed um, in Surf Lifesaving I was one of the dudes running around the, in the dick togs in the, in the hat doing all over Australia competing in Surf Lifesaving and Oh, when no it was when I was in a, um, like now we wanted to move down. We, we both grew up, like Locke was, we were both from the west side of, of Melbourne, Locke in, in, in Jakarta, me and Mooney Ponds and Essendon sort of area. And oh, yeah. um, moving <laughs> down to Torquay for us is just standard. Bliss. Yeah. yeah. Well, I moved to, like you went down at the start of 2020. You were always set on that. And then we sort of come down to just see you guys and just um, hang out. And we're like, we got to move here too. So, me and my Mrs. Tiles moved down two days before the second big Melbourne lockdown and we were lucky enough to get a really cool house in a really cool spot, like pretty much around the corner from your joint. So yeah, I, when people say like the Surf Coast podcast and all that, it feels a bit 
uneasy for me because I've just sort of come. So I'm, I'm not like <laughs> a local or a surf coast rat or anything like that. But um, I don't think I'll be moving anytime soon. It's the For me, it's the best place in the world. It's a fucking interesting community too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the people in tech and all these sort of people popping up out of nowhere because I suppose with COVID and everything, there's just been a – you know, everything's changed now. The community's different. Um, mm. well, yeah. I think it's nice to be around people. Like for us, moving down there and going, all right, let's go and do something creative. We started the podcast. It was really starting to catch legs, I guess, grow legs while we're down there. And meeting all the different people in the community who are like doing things. And you think like if you're doing something in a regional community, you have to be pretty innovative to get your ideas off the ground. You have to have been doing something. Most of them don't. Yes, there's the coffee shops and do things that serve the local community, but if you've got – there's lots of cool businesses and there's a lot of history on the surf coast, like the surf brands that have come out of there, like Rip Curl and Quicksilver. There's mm. a few real interesting brands that are growing now at the moment. As Locke mentioned, just the amount of, like, interesting people with interesting ideas now that remote is a normal thing. Yeah. It's starting to open up. It's, it's cool to watch. You can't be fluffing around too much when you're down in those areas as well because, you know, to attract talent, you've got to be doing something interesting. 100%. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, I wonder, so when that lockdown came into effect, was Torquay and Geelong, was that, did it encompass that area as well? Yeah, but not as much as Melbourne, obviously. It was weird because all our family and friends are, live in Melbourne. You know, we've got a few friends up in the coast, but to, everyone can sort of see each other because they're in the radius, but we, the ring of steel or whatever. So while we could go out, we still had to wear masks. We had a lot more freedoms and privileges, but we couldn't um, see family and stuff. So it was a different kind of yeah, it was hard mm. hardship, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, we spent a lot of t- me and you spent a lot of time together, but I think like yeah. how much time we didn't get to get it like poor us, you know, it's not yeah. poor us, but yeah. we didn't get to see family and shit because they were we were outside the, the bubble of whatever yeah. it was. So that was an, it's a weird time. Weird time. It was very weird. Mm. How did you handle it? Um, Honestly, I just spent most of the funny money that the government gave to us on improving the business and like just putting my head down and focusing on that. Like it's all you could do. Yeah. If I think about life back then, it was a very different. I mean, you saved a fuckload of money. Mm. We got married in April of this year. So when COVID started really becoming a thing in like March, I said, let's move it because we were meant to get married in October of 2020. I was just like, this is not happening. No. This is not going to fucking happen. Do you remember when it was all starting to happen? You're watching the news. And I remember before it sort of all, it was like a week or two before, I was freaking out a little bit. I was like, shit, this is much bigger than, because I didn't really look at it. I just sort of didn't want to know. But I sort of used up all that anxiety early, I think. And then it was like, well, now it's time to go to work. You know what I mean? It's time to actually put my brain to use or get, uh, how do we fix this? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we make this better for us and put ourselves in a better situation? But it was pretty scary. I mean, it still is. Yeah. And I think it's weird, though, looking at back in hindsight. Like mid last year, this time last year, I remember specifically sitting down. Our weekend would just involve Zoom calls. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's just, it was such a different time. And the setup we had has really, like we did that because of COVID. And it's it's done really well for us just from doing sales meetings or doing interviews online. Um, it's allowed us to do inter- – I guess one thing COVID did, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, is that we used to have this ethos of like you could only do interviews in person mm. or mainly in person. Fuck that change big time yeah. with COVID. Well, every, I think everything like now people don't have to travel as much. Like the, I don't have to get on, you know, 30, 40 flights a year to get my job done. I can just sort of log in. But you lose things on that as well. Like it's a bit of – yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard one. There's always a you, you love you like talking about this. Don't well, you? I think it's just funny because we're talking about 
can re- interview remote. That's how we started what we were doing. You know, like our podcast yeah. and what everything started from like remote first. We were doing it with the shittiest fucking USB microphone that we plugged into the different thing. Locke was, even though he's 500 meters around the corner, we still weren't really allowed at each other's houses. So we we're on Zoom calls. Mm. Just Zoom fatigue is real though. Oh yeah. I'm so over it now. I think that the, the novelty of being, I don't know, at home all the time, on the screens, call after call, I think people crave human connection and people really, in order to make things happen and make it feel really real, it's it's a lot easier to do that in person. Yeah, it wears thin pretty fucking quick. Mm. I'd agree with that. I, I guess we were chatting before downstairs around offices and stuff like that. When you guys daydream about where your shiny, spanking, brand new office would be, where would you guys open an office? Would you do it in Melbourne? Or would oh. you do it around Torquay? Mate, we go we go on dream and drives nearly every single day. We'll go we'll go to the servo, we'll go to show, we might pick up a V, we'll get a um maybe a little snack, maybe a cherry ripe or some chicken strips and we'll go <laughs> we'll go on a dream and drive and we'll look through the business park in Torquay. I think okay. it's, is it called the West Business Park or it's the Business Park? I think it's just called the Business Park. Business Park. And so Ocean Grinds there, Zealy Do, uh, Zealy Bay. Sourdough. Oh, yes, Zealy like, Bay. Yeah. And, tribe Skincare. Tribe there. Skincare. And there's all these really cool brands um, in this little pocket, in this sort of factory sort of area. And we just go through there and there's all these sort of places for lease and, and, and rent and all that. And we're just like, this is where we need yeah. to be. Like it's, it feels like... There's ideas everywhere, you know. I don't know. It's, just, it's an inspiring place. Yeah, to we're 100 percent leaning into like we don't. Melbourne's good. We moved down there for down to the surf coast for a reason. And when we're when we're finally ready, which we're looking at the moment to figure out where our space will live, it'll be there. Because mm. I think that we really want to lean in. Like that's where our life is. I don't want to be driving an hour and a half to Melbourne to come use a space. I want to be able to use it and access well, it. Yeah, and go you may as well lean on what makes you guys unique, right? Correct. Mm. Yeah, and I think it tells a good story. You know, there's not when we talk about like brands being built in Torquay. There's not many places in the world that has so many like recognizable massive brands such as the Rip Curl and Quicksilvers of the world that have come out of one little pocket. You know, it mm. doesn't mm. that doesn't happen. And when people come down, we want to show them an experience. So it's, it's like you you guys today, you know, we come here and get a coffee and all that sort of stuff. Like for us it's like, yeah, we'll go check out the, the beach, Janjak, 12, whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Like, we'll get the courtesy bus going, whatever. <laughs> get something Just going. Just do a little tour going around. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys eat Zilli Bay dough? Any of their uh, breads or anything like that? I do, yeah. I do love sourdough bread. I'm, I'm a big, big yeah. fan. We okay. don't have the best diet, so I don't think. That's something that, Ooh, that's a yeah. fun fact. I know there yeah. might be some fun facts later on, but... Yeah, hot ch- hot chips and 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 sourdough bread and chicken strips and chicken strips and servo sandwiches. Is that a good diet or <laughs> no? Probably not. No. <laughs> it, I guess it depends on uh, your macros, right? Mm. If you get enough protein, no, I don't think we're any good. But you <laughs> no, know, no, no. it's yeah, a reality check. Though. It's making me think about it now. Going, I need to eat more veggies. So. Yeah, well, it's funny because we're, we're our local. It's called localized. Um, old mate Vince, this lovely uh, Italian man, he. Every, uh, three times a week, he gets like Zealy Bay stuff shipped up, but it's so funny because like the day it arrives, it's already like gone bad. Like it's it's used by date, but like we just cut it up and put it in the freezer and stuff like that because the bread is fucking elite. It like is. it is such real, it is such good bread. Um, and weirdly, there's no like baker on Swan Street, no distinct baker. Really? Yeah. Dude, we went on Swan Street and we oh, it was a bar me joint. Yes, that place is amazing. Yeah, there was a line out the door for Barn Meat. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's so affordable. Yeah, it's like seven bucks for I f- yeah. like, and that's with the extra meat. Yeah, yeah. that place. Um, 
Mintran, I think it's called. That's it, yeah. yeah. That's what we went to. The chicken schnitzel, bro. I'm dreaming about it now. I'm, so I'm salivating a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. On a Saturday, I'm notorious, like my wife and I are notorious for sleeping and we won't wake up till like 10, 11. Yeah. We'll do some stuff at home, then typically go do like grocery shopping down on Swan Street or something like that. And if we're really running late, we'll get lunch at like fucking four o'clock from the bun me joint. They're basically sold out of like everything. Like, the like that's how popular, you the, pretty much. Just yeah. whack it all together, mate. Yeah, whatever's left is yeah. put in a roll. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like a lucky dip in terms of like what meat you're getting. Like maybe this week it's pork, maybe this week it's chicken. How good are surprises? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. Um, what do you guys think you're going to be when you grow up? Oh, for me, oh, um, it changed. I think it always changed. I think when I was a real kid kid, I think it was like a firefighter or some, some shit like that. Then I was a footy player, cricket player. Then it was a rock star. I always wanted to be in a band and tra- and tour and, and do that. And now it's doing exactly what we're doing now, which is weird. I never thought it'd get to a point like this, but I didn't know this world existed. So a change, I think for me, it changed over time. It, it was always something different. What about a wrestler? Didn't you want to be a wrestler? Oh, uh, yeah. I tried to be a wrestler for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I thought I was Jeff What's Hardy. What's his name? Jeff Hardy? I yeah. put the stockings on the arm. I painted my nails. I was pretty out there. Yeah, it was a bit weird. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. A couple of people said that. And for me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for me it was like just playing sports I grew up and all, all, a sporty kid did a lot of things cared about school I, I was alright at school knew I had to do things outside of well your mum's a sport. teacher mum's a teacher yeah. like I was, my, got drilled into me from day one like my old man being a sparky his things I'm sending you to private school because I want you to do something that I don't do you know I come to he goes to work his, his body's fucked he's had two hip replacements he's laboured it's physical labour to put in air conditioners. He's like, I don't want that same life for you. This is, we get push you into education. So I, when I played footy, I was still studying outside um, at the time. But as a kid, I, all I wanted to do was either, I don't know, go to the Olympics or play footy. That was it. He, <laughs> want, he wants to mention something. He, you, the Pan Pacific Games, can you mention that? You reckon you could have went there back in the day? Well, I did. I did qualify in the, in the 100 metres. That was my... Um, Pan Pacific Games. Which yeah. is like... I don't even know what that is. It's a made up... <laughs> It's not. Where is it? Huh? What, what are, what's all Pan the, Pacific it, countries? What are they? It's all the countries that surround Australia. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. There you go. I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, no. I think it's a, it's a fake thing. It's like, it's it's like the pretend thing. Commonwealth Well, you reckon you have to choose between 40 or the Pan Pacific oh, I didn't have to, I didn't have to oh. do that. But I just, as a kid, I was, like, I was lucky enough that I, was, I played a few different sports that I was good at. And I made a decision to go down the footy pathway. And then when that, that worked out, it just, uh, you don't, you can't go back to different sports. People weren't really doing whatever else. Not just but now it. we're looking at people like Cody Simpson and shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, how cool is that? What's he goes going from, on? We're really big fans of that. Yeah. That's, a cool, yeah. that's a cool story. If there's anything mm. that people can see around like Cody Simpson going from being one of the world's biggest pop stars to making a final to make the Olympics, the, uh, the Olympics like, mm. as a fucking butterfly swimming. He's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah. You, you know, know Cody, Cody Simpson? Simpson used to go Miley Cyrus or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's going to the Olympics as a swimmer. It almost. He almost made the final yeah. to make the Olympic team. American or Australian? Australian. Aussie, yeah. Really? Yeah. So yeah. people like that is inspiring. You know, you're seeing people change and cross and do different things. It's I love that cool. shit. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah, like uh, people who are not polymaths, but just, I guess you could call it a polymath. Like you're, you're skilled at multiple things that are very different. That's, so what, make pe- that's what makes people unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I a lot of people hold their self-worth, and I know that's from my own experience, like, I was a lot of mine was tied up for me, the sports person, and when I started to get past that, and move past some of that own shit, and realise that I do other things, I'm good at other things, I'm I get happiness from other things, I get joy from other things. What was it, skill stacking or something? Skill stacking, yeah, really it's like different interests. And I think that was uh, that you. I think that's an important point. I think 
for me, the realization of like, oh, really, I, not love yourself, but you just, you, you become a friend to yourself. It was more, I love the fact that I like all weird shit. You know what I mean? And no one's like that. I think that that's the confidence you probably need. And you, you need to talk to yourself like a friend, not, not, oh, I should do this better. I should do this better. You yeah, know, that, that and moment makes it special. What's you that? know, like you like music and mm. you do this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you do yeah. that, you know. And that's what makes people interesting, you know. Mm. So, I don't Did know. you guys ever have that feeling when you were growing up and sort of graduating that you had those cross interests? I, I still remember this to this day. I was like 17 or 18. I wrote my first ever diary entry, right? But it was basically I was writing about how I was pissed off about the fact that you couldn't go to uni and study. People would argue now it's like doing an arts degree, but I wanted to study things like programming plus business plus I wanted to learn how to make aftershave or do woodwork like it was so diverse in terms of the things I wanted to learn mm. and I just remember being pissed off about that fact mm. did you guys ever have anything like that I mean I think if because you sort of seem similar to myself where I just didn't know what the fuck I was going to do at all no very very similar I had not we we actually had a conversation I come back I was just, um, so I worked over in Canada for a bit on the slopes and come back as a, I was a lifty. So I never snowboarded before in my life and just sort of lied my way into that job and ended up getting it and <laughs> was over there for like seven months, come back and just didn't know what to do. But I've really figured out my personality and who I was. And I think coming back and I was working hospitality, so front of house, doing split shifts, all that shit. And it, it started at 23 or whatever. And then it all of a sudden gets to 27. And you're like, fuck, I've been doing this a fair bit. And I remember talking to you and your journey is a little bit different, you know, from footy into into the corporate world. So um, I've, I was totally lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Had, was interested in everything, you know what I mean? Like curious about everything. So I think having you there, like it's it's weird, having support and a friend like well, I still remember that fucking conversation. Yeah. We're sitting out the front of work, I drove you to work and we just sat in the car Yeah, like half hour early and we just talked through and you were going, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know where, where we're gonna, what we're going to do, how we're going to take this. And, and then, yeah, things just sort of happened from there, but well, it was more. Were yeah. you working at Cedar at the time? No, no. So I went to Cedar. So I was, I was, I think it was the second year Cedar ever existed. Like it was the second year of operation or whatever. And we, I was part of Cricket Victoria there. So that's how actually, our, that's how we met through mutual friends. So I was at school with uh, 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 Jamie and Hamish, who were, you were friends with growing mm. up. So that's how we know each other. And then we moved out pretty much. We moved out together when I got back and we've been friends ever since. We've each other's back pockets since, which is a bit <laughs> weird, yeah. yeah. But it's honestly like, Having that support and help and guidance from someone who's a friend, I feel like really helped me, you know, with what I wanted to do and, and set my direction. So mm. yeah. we'll probably get into a bit, but like some of the stuff that Locke's been able to do, I, I don't think there's that many people that tackle things head on and try new things. Like I know everyone talks about trying new things and actually like learn by doing and all that sort of stuff, but the amount of times you take it on something that's outside your comfort zone outside your skill set, but with the expectation that it's all good, I'll have a crack at this and I'll just fucking learn it. You know, it's not, mm. I'm not scared that about learning or trying new things. It's yeah, putting yourself out there. And I think maybe that's why it's a, a good combination or we feel it's a good combination. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking because it's sort of similar to my wife and I. I mean, co-founding anything is like a marriage, right? Yeah. But I get a sense based on what you've done in life and studied versus what you've done in life and studied is you definitely lean more on the creative side and you definitely lean more on the conscientious side. Like, would you say that you're quite a rigid person? Do you like order, so to speak, or no? Oh, I've got a bit of OCD and some things like I... Okay. Do uh, you have OCD about No, that? I'm very ad hoc. So he looks okay. at my laptop and goes, what the fuck is going on with your so desktop? Every That pic- combination is a good combination because you'll never be able to step on each other's toes. 
Yeah. There'll always be something that you can do that he can't do and that you can do that he can't do. No, we've got complementary skill sets. We've said that for a while, yeah. right? which is a good thing. And, and the same goes for Tam, like the third business partner in Wellbeing's group. We've yeah. all, we all got different skill sets. We all do different parts. I think that's really important that all the people we've talked to in our pod, I'm sure you've been the same, is that if you are making up a team of someone trying to get something off the ground or kick something off, that team dynamics and what skill sets you have is it's critical. Mm, I'd agree with that. Yeah, there's things that I do that Lauren couldn't do and there's things that she does. I just, fuck, mm. man. Even some things like, you don't want to do too, you know? Yeah, it's like, I do oh, not oh, want to do I don't want to do that. You don't know? want to touch it, yeah. Yeah, like, he, like in terms of planning and strategy and process and getting things, like you said, in order, I think that's you, you're very all over it. So I don't even have to worry about that shit, you know? What yeah. I mean? It's just like, oh, I know that's going to happen. And for maybe testing ideas and just seeing what we can do with stuff, you can just go, yeah, I'll just try it out. Like, whatever. Yeah, it's sort of like um, a good example would be the building. We were showing you guys the floor plan. I'm the type, I'm like, I'm pushing the builders, I'm getting plans done, I'm doing all that. But I could not give a fuck around. Like, I, I'd care. I care how something looks, but I don't want to go through the minutiae of like the, the look and feel of the room, whereas Lauren loves that. Well, that's, that's law. Mm. <laughs> Head of brand, like mm. a bit insane, like don't fucking... Well, yeah, well, it's just... Well, you pull me up all the time on things. Yeah. Oh, you can't send that because there's no full stop or there's no punctuation. I'm a bit of the or... uh, punctuality police, yeah. But that's <laughs> probably the only thing I'm OCD about. But the thing, I just think like taking on always learning new things. Like if, like obviously when you run a business, there's always shit that's coming up that you're just like, I don't really know how to do it, but I have to learn how to do it. You know, mm. no one else is going to do it. So mm. yeah. So it's just that constantly putting, testing ourselves and trying new things. So you've had OB and Co and we get into funny business in a moment, but what have you guys learned from working with each other? Oh, everything. I mean, OB and Co, I feel like when people say the podcast and all this stuff, it's like, it all started with Obi and Co. With I think, you, well, you're the one who came up with the idea. Maybe you should tell the story. Well, Obi and Co. was like, we sold, you know, like slides. I, we wear them all day, every day still. Like they're socks and slides. slides in Australia. I'll and at that point in time, that there was, it wasn't anywhere. So we called ourselves Australia's first slides company. We went hard as fuck. We had no money. We were just, we underestimated what, how much cash it would take to run a business at the scale we tried <laughs> yeah. to do it at. It was fucking crazy. And we launched <laughs> with this crazy influencer campaign. Like this is going back in 2017 and we had, I think we had the, some of the stats we're having on our Instagram page. We had 30,000 eyes every week on our Instagram page. No ads. No ads. No, no. You know, all organic. All yeah. organic. And, but then we ran out of fucking money because we couldn't buy it. Like we had all this stock and then stock come in faulty. And then we were <laughs> like, crazy. people look at us and going, thinking like this brand was massive. It was just me and him running out of our garage. And yeah. like it was, that I, was our real like baptism of fire, learn by doing, start the thing, get it up, mm. deal with all the shit, learn how to do all the processes and all the shit that would happen to go through it. <laughs> and then learn the hard way because yeah. coming from like, so we're not, it's not like we have, People that can bail us out. We were, we don't have endless cash supplies. We've we both had jobs. We yeah, side hustle thing. It was like, well, fuck. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is is that it. But we all knew that wasn't going to end there. And then from there, it was more like we started Seed Digital Media Agency or whatever, and that was just like small business service where we go in do the social strategy and stuff. And then we were just li like testing the waters there and seeing, well, we were just catching up randomly with cafe owners and just seeing what they wanted. And yeah. so we've never really stopped. We stopped, we closed the door on that. We actually sold it on Facebook marketplace, the business, uh, to a, I think he was a bouncer at kittens or something like that, a strip <laughs> joint. And he, and he took them all to, uh, Nigeria, yeah. It was so. weird as well. It was, it was crazy, just, yeah, it's crazy. Sorry. I remember reading that and thinking it was a joke. No, nah, it's legit, yeah. No, nah, he, he turned up and he had his he had his fucking earphones yeah, in yeah, and yeah. he's this 
big black dude and he was like, he's looking at us. I'm going, fuck. Yeah. He's walking, uh, well, I lived at this, where our house was at the time was like the third unit down this block and he come down and he had all his boys in the car and we just had boxes of these things in our garage <laughs> and he's looking at me and we're fucking negotiating on how much he's going to take all the stock for and things because we just, we literally made the decision crazy. to, it was going to be more time to try and sell them than it was to just leave them. It was time to move on and do yeah. something else. So we made a conscious decision. We could have sold more and kept, slogging it out but we we've not failed fast we learned fast and we decided that this is not going to be a business that we can run mm. with the ambitions that we had without any cash and yeah. the brand there was no real brand and i feel like we just flipped it and done the opposite thing now like we didn't really think about that stuff we thought we got a great product we'll just give it to people and it'll all be good it's like no you need to stand for something be more than more than that yeah, you know yeah. build a yeah. brand build a community and that's what yeah. we've done from funding business so we made a conscious decision from day one to do it completely different and have all the things up our sleeve that we haven't even started playing in e-com space yet yeah, yeah but we will yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that that first business is always useful because like i remember we started one it was the fuck i had this argument with my dad about it the other day it was just like a piece of code and it was like a sort of canvas like design and sort of spec out like an MVP of your business, mm. no one uses it. I spent like, te- I think, I'm pretty sure we spent 10 grand on putting it together mm. with the developer. Mm. Just absolute waste of money. But mm. it taught us so fucking much about, and you guys would have had this with, with Obi and Co. You know, it teaches you about a launch. It teaches you about getting people to use it, product market fit, actual conversions. Like there's so many things that we just missed. And then when eventually we got into the digital marketing space, it's, it really, really helped. Yeah. Like just for having conversations with people. Like I could say to someone, if you don't do this, you will fail. Yeah. yeah. And I it's can not guarantee theory. you. You know, it's a, you're not saying it from a theory point of view, like you've read it out of a book. You've read it, you're saying it from an experience point of view because you've lived in action that. Done it, felt it. And I've actually seen many clients or many people do a similar thing. Mm. So the, I often find that, I find it rare actually to, uh, the first time someone starts a business, it does well. I don't yeah. know if you guys would agree with that, but yeah. like the people we've interviewed, it's like they've always done something beforehand that sort of just didn't quite, yeah. you know, do it. It's a rare, one hit wonders are rare. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to- Very rare. It's hard to just hit a home run with your first shot. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. does happen, but it's not really, that's not really reality, you know? And that's the best part about doing a podcast, I think, because sometimes you get people who come on and say everything's all hunky-dory and this, I do this, I wake up at this time and this is what I do, but- the, I think the real stuff is the challenges and the hardship and it's fucking hard to do stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's chatting about the hard is what makes it, you know? Mm. So how long did it take you guys to realise with Obi and Co it wasn't going to work and you're just like, I've had enough? Oh, it was, I reckon it was maybe six to nine months after launch. Yeah. And How many units had you sold? Wow. We'd done close to 4,000 units of okay. our slides and... Like we didn't have any other. We were products. in stores and shit. How weird is that? Yeah, we're in you stores. I mean? like, we're now selling wholesale. We're all yeah. in, we're we're in which, so, which stores? Sims Sports in Sims Sports in Mooney Ponds. We're in a few different surf shops. Shop. WA, Queensland, New South Wales. A store in Tassie. We we were stocked in. It's so, crazy, yeah. And we were like, <laughs> we didn't have swing tags, and we didn't like our product was like. <laughs> Now what it's I think made with know, love. Made yeah. with love. There yeah. was lots of love coming from our end, but yeah. I don't know how it looked. I don't know if there was much so, love on the shelf coming back. When you guys look back at that, what would you have done different? I would have. If you could redo the business, I would have had to not start. If we wanted to start something that size, mm-hmm. it would be with an understanding that you need. It's like product development cycle. You know, like you need more products coming down the 
in the roadmap that you can do ready to go. You need more money to be able to launch things. If you're going to run and try and scale it at that point, don't don't bust your balls and blow yeah. it all. I didn't want to be a shoe salesman though. We so don't I don't regret it. I, I just really didn't want to do that. I want to do this, you know, so yeah. I was more like. How many times did we fucking say that? Yeah. How many times did we go, we looked at each other and we're like, I don't want to be a fucking shoe salesman, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this business. Let's- yeah, yeah. But it, like I said, like it was the brand thing. The more you learn and uncover about, oh, this is like, oh, we'd want to do it this way now, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, I always think back on things like how could you have done it different, differently with the same amount of money? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's always fun to theorize in your brain. And friends and stuff who always see that you've got something else, that you've got another new thing that you're doing. So you know what I mean? Like I feel like some of my friends would just be like, oh, and family are just like, fuck, he's got another. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah. You know. That's the argument I was having with my dad the other night. Mm. Like he was just, he, he, he for some reason, because he lent me five grand for that original business that, what was it called? It was called Startup Lab. Such a fucking stupid thing. And uh, he was like, because I was going through floor plans with him and he just couldn't wrap his head around that we'd move past that shit. Mm. Like that was like five years ago. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was, that was a weird experience. Anyway. Is oh, he okay. still, is he, have you paid the five grand back? Oh, he, I paid him back well and truly like within a year. And That's he, the thing I don't understand. Is like he still he kept, wants it, huh? <laughs> hey, Dad, I paid you back. Yeah, he's, he's just got treat, selective mate. memory. Yeah. Selective memory. He's just Smart classic man. wog. He's just on my ass about everything. <laughs> you, yes, you. Are you intrigued by this episode? If so, go to our footer on the website n e u r a l e dot com neural dot com. We're going to give you an insight each week. It's going to be on business, marketing, or a topic that we covered in the episode at all. We'd love your support and it would help us in developing the intellect around this series. But without going on too much longer, let's get back into this episode. Funny business. Let's talk about that. So there's sort of this in-between period. You guys finished with Obi & Co. 2019. Uh, Lockie, you're running your own digital agency. Robbie, you seem to be working in Agile um, and a few different organizations. Obviously, like a lot of smart young entrepreneurs there's going to be some sort of burning need there to do something in this case the podcast arrived april 2020 there was a lot of people doing podcasts particularly during lockdowns people were like i'm going to start a podcast what what was it that you guys thought funny business could offer that was different you go oh uh, well we <laughs> try we try to think about this like I, I can't actually remember how we had the idea for the podcast i mean I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan and stuff like a lot of people. So I was, I'm, a, I'm just a big fan of the conversationalist type of interviews, same as you, Geordie. Mm. So um, I don't know. I think we had a lot of time up our sleeves. And to be honest, like I was in tech recruitment. So I just thought for leads, it'd be good to just meet people who are in business in the tech space and we can yeah. pick their brain. And we've, we've got a few friends like Nick Pulse, who was your mentor, who brought you on um, at 460 Degrees and, mm. and got you involved in that space. So we had him first up. We had Timo Sullivan, Bay we, put, we, we butchered his first. We ep- butchered his. So we had episode. Zoom. We had the Zoom free version. So this is <laughs> how <fucking laughs> stupid is this. So every forty minutes, we had to just end the session and and add it. No, lucky, swear, lucky's swear. a friend. Lucky's yeah. a friend. So we we were really. And then we cut that episode to ten minutes too. No, no, no that was Nick Pulse. Nick yeah. Pulse yeah, yeah. So, but we've we've done. Yeah, I think for me for me it was more about the leads and it was only meant to be a LinkedIn project really to be honest. Mm. Um, and we had the time and mm. and then all of a sudden people started. Um, giving us feedback. I really love that. And it sort of spurs you on a bit. And I was like, fuck, this is probably bigger than what we thought. Mm. Um, and then sort of gives you that motivation to keep going. And now it's like, fuck, 
like this is crazy. This has opened up so many doors and hopefully it helps helps some people because, yeah. you know, we're seeing people in the community now, we're not even talking to them really. I mean, they're talking to each other and helping each other with jobs and shit. We're going, this is unreal. I love to see that. When do you guys think it was sort of really kicked off? Because I found you guys via Erica because I'd interviewed Erica and yeah. I saw she shared about her interview with you guys. When, when was the moment when you got you thought, you know, you have these times of like Nick, you know, and, and others where you're having to cut the interviews short mm. or jump onto another Zoom call. Where did you go, okay, fuck, we've got something here? To be honest, we didn't really, I don't reckon we really had like a moment, moment. Like we grew our numbers on our pod. We didn't really focus. Like was I, we say we didn't focus. I looked at the numbers all day, every day. But for us, it was more around like it's organic community growth. You know, we weren't, the same again with, with everything we've done with the pod. We don't run paid ads. We don't run paid traffic. Or everything we've got to from this point is actually we spent so much time early doors out there replying to every comment on LinkedIn, sliding into DMs of people on LinkedIn, trying to get the right people of where we thought our audience would live and talk to them. We did things like mocked up Locks Guide to LinkedIn, which is our free download that we gave to people about how to get them kick-started and how to succeed on LinkedIn, how to set their personal brands up, what you need to do. And, and we went back out to our community on LinkedIn and went hit up like all, I don't know, 100 and whatever people that had just downloaded it. And they're all in interesting, really interesting jobs, you know, like senior product designer or yeah. fucking head of delivery. And like they're talking to us about LinkedIn and we're going, all right, sick. Can we get some feedback? And for that, I guess we realized that we were breaking through because we both, my background being in agile and lean coaching. So a lot of the time I'm working with people who are delivering the work and helping co connect the dots between the people delivering the work and senior leadership. So how do you provide clarity and alignment between here's what the goals are for the organization, but I'm the actual person with the tools doing the job. You know, mm -hmm. how do you create the connection there? And for us and our pod, I think that that's sort of what happened is we realized that we cut through the noise a little bit because we were being authentic. We were being real. We were putting we were, we're, we're acting like ourselves and we didn't give a fuck. It's you know? so hard not to be yourself, I think. Like, it was just easier now, like, to just post stuff out. And I think being so busy and having so much going on, like, you do, you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't overthink shit. It would just be like, I'll pump that out and learn from that and just keep it going. And I think that sort of fast-tracked well, quality, maybe. Well, we, we committed to 50 episodes and, like, okay. publicly committed to 50 episodes. And I think that when we try to hold, hold ourselves accountable to the people who are listening, like, oh, I wonder if we'll do that by Christmas. And then... I look back now and we've released like 140, something like 140 yeah, guest pods like plus probably the same in snacks. So in that short period of time, we over-delivered what it was and we realized that that was the thing that was giving us – that was the thing that we talk about providing value and I know that you talk about that a lot in some of the stuff you do. How do you make sure that you're a business or you're providing a service that's actually giving mm. enough value out into the world? And for us, we just – I know karma's real and we're hoping it comes back. Do, do you guys think that – because we probably had this as a business for for years as an agency. We we didn't struggle, but we sort of tried to find our fit, so to speak. And it was around, initially it was, we were doing what Dan Monheit, previous guests, multiple time guests has called the five A's, where you do anything for anyone, anytime, anywhere, any price. Mm -hmm. And over time, we got more and more focused on what made us unique and then also aligning the podcast with that. And then I think really what started to click for us in the last couple months was that TikTok element. Yep. So I'm curious, do you, did you guys think that your pure focus and um, I guess realm of understanding around LinkedIn is what really helped drive things? Oh, well, 
considering we're not sponsored by LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've hit them up a lot at MEP. Oh, mate, I've tra- slid into everyone's DMs on LinkedIn, <laughs> I reckon. So if you're listening to this, just hit me back, please. I, d- I, d- um, I definitely think it helped, though. Yeah. But I think that because it's they were the people we wanted to talk to and we made a conscious decision not to go. Like, if you think some of the platforms, and we talk about this a lot, like, mm. we're not... I don't, I don't have, have abs. I don't have a six pack. You know what I mean. So yeah, I can't don't... live on Instagram. Or not, you know what I mean. I'm not. I'm not a good cook, so I can't even show good food. You know. So. <laughs> and we decided that was where the people we wanted to talk to were on the pod. So okay. we we tripled and, down on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is a bit boring, to be honest. Like being in tech recruitment, it's I just, very boring. Oh, come to my seminar. And I, no, it sounds boring. Eh? I'm not fucking going. You know. Like so, it was more like I want to treat it more like Facebook. You yeah. know what I mean? And just take the piss, like relatable shit you know like hey some people got dogs some people eat junk food you know what I mean like shake it up but as a platform though I think that we're one of the things that we noticed really early doors is just the size of organic reach so for what we on LinkedIn so what we get for some of our posts is insane like we'd be paying hundreds of dollars per post that we're doing and we're dropping posts all the time if it was say Instagram but we're getting all this free traffic because we've now built up a bit of I don't know, street cred on, on LinkedIn where people are happy to share it or they're happy mm-hmm. to comment or tag a mate or do something where we hadn't really seen, besides some of the, I don't know, you haven't really seen that on LinkedIn. And I think that that's one of the advice we've gone with a lot throughout our pod is if people want to start something and you want to get in the business space, don't try and, if you're not, if you're not understand Instagram or some of the other platforms you want to play, you don't have to do all platforms at once, you know, pick mm. one that you think that would be suitable for you to start with yeah. and go and have a fucking crack. You know? Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think LinkedIn cha- has changed, though, with the algorithms and stuff. And I think... They're burning us lately. Yeah, and people get put off, too, the, because... Yeah. They, yeah. They're burning us because of um, we don't spend any money on ads, so they're just like, let's just <laughs> keep them down do you, there. Do you think there... I know you mean... I know exactly what you mean. There was a direct correlation between the time that they were acquired by Microsoft mm. and that happening. Yeah. It's just like, all right, so... And they push their ad platform hard now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So things definitely change over time, but... Yeah. Just gonna come to TikTok, boys. Well, yeah, well <laughs> interesting you say that. Interesting you say that because we are we are sort of publicly experimenting on there. I mean, we've got a TikTok at the moment, but it's nothing. We're just experimenting with what we want to do in content, so people can actually check it out and see us fucking around and learning. If well, they we're want. lucky that we actually just um, yeah, we just new new hire who's coming on to do our mar- head up marketing comms for us. She's just we've just pinched her out of TikTok, so. Hmm. TikTok will be definitely something where we're going to play and yeah, have a go yeah. at, but we need some help, you know, I don't, yeah. not. But I think like people, I think what I was going to say before about LinkedIn, people get paralyzed by not getting, they might get three likes and then they're just like, I don't want to post that again. That's embarrassing. I put so much effort and time and I don't get that and I don't get love, but I think it's just more consistently showing up and learning from each yeah. post, you know. And adding more and more value. Yeah. Like I think people think that, like what you said, you post about a conference come to my conference my my old employee uh, employee organization was terrible like that ibis world they would just say hey here's this link to this article posted on linkedin mm-hmm. and it's like it's not even formatted well for linkedin so it's just like a the logo of the company appears mm. like it was so bad what are you posting where's the value in this yeah. what are you telling People just don't get the whole idea of native content and making yeah. it user friendly in yeah. the platform and that's the fun part. I mean, that's where you can yeah. get creative and that's where you can do things that are a little bit different. So for me, that's the part I love, you know. What about the uh, the two weeks before all the stuff came out about Marilyn Manson? 
Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know. So someone needs to give us a list of all the diddlers in the industry or something because <laughs> I had no idea he was an abuser. And like two weeks before it all come out that he was doing all this shit, I was like, Marilyn Manson, you can say what you want about him. He knows how to build a brand. You know? I was like, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know, you know, so I didn't do my research too well. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you can spin that pretty well. Well, I did this thing. Uh, I started doing a series that I want to get back to on YouTube called Mad Lads of Marketing. Yeah. And it just gives you, by calling them mad lads, you can just cover anyone who's a prick or a mm. good person. Yeah. But yeah, we've, we, we were doing a few. We've done uh, Kerry Packer. I was going to get into Alan Bond next. Yeah. Um, you know, you got all those types. Like Christopher Scase. Remember? Yeah. Who's Christopher Who's that? Who's He's that? the guy that, God, that was such a weird, what year were you born? Uh, 91. Okay, so you're, you're about the same age as me. I was born in 90. Christopher Scase was this guy that he was a big stockbroker, but he swindled a bunch of money out of people. So he's a big Sydney 80s style broker, but he just disappeared. And then he arrived, like just wound up one day in Mallorca in Spain. And this whole thing was like he had this, like a lung issue, but he didn't. So he'd just be walking around all day with like a mask and a fake oxygen pack on all the time. And so the, the federal police and ASIC were like after him for decades and then eventually just died on Mallorca. So weird. Is there a doco about this? Or? Oh, there's heaps. Yeah, I'm going to Google yeah. that shit. Sounds like a good doco. He, like he financed like, and he basically built Port Douglas. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. I had but, no idea. Matt, I live under a rock, so I don't know. He swindled a bunch of people out of their money during the development or some shit like that. And he went and he did it. Was he actually sick or did he fake the? No, he faked it. I don't mind. He that. wasn't sick. There's so, there's, <laughs> there's so many sketchy yeah, people out there. Though, you know? There's so yeah. many sketchy people out there. Though, but I know. find that stuff fascinating. Yeah. You know? That's a weird way to live, though, for, for a long time. You know, living with a lie, a fake mask. Yeah. That's a, it's a yeah. lot of effort to go through with it. It's a lot it? of weight on your shoulders going to bed every night wondering if someone's going to pound down Make the door. Make sure I've got my next to me that I don't need. Yeah. We've got a whole list. That's the one thing I'm so looking forward to at the office. <laughs> Not a great business person. Good marketer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I look at all that stuff. I look at like the badge, like Charles Manson. And stuff. Like, we're watching this show at the moment on Netflix called How to, be, How to Become a Tyrant. Have you seen it? No. It's about all the dictators in, in, in the world, so throughout wow, history. So Saddam Hussein, Hitler, and it goes through. It's, it's done really well, so it makes it kind of funny and, and entertaining. So if you want to become a tyrant, this is what you need to do. Who narrates it? Uh, Peter Dinklage, you know the really yeah, he, he he narrates it and Fuck. it's amazing. It's amazing because it's really you can relate it back to life and it just makes you think. Like you're thinking about Trump and you're going, "Fuck this! All this mind control shit. It's oh. crazy." Yeah, the different steps when they're coming through. It's like for people who might be in like community management or marketing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a few people are going to watch this and go, "Fuck!" There's not too much different between yeah. being a, oh, a tyrant and building a community and having people follow you and yeah. have influence. You're like, well, fuck, I'm, that's a bit creepy. The psychology is no different. Like I've read yeah. a lot of bo books on persuasion and propaganda because they're one and the same basically. Yeah. Mm. Um, I found that stuff totally fascinating. Actually, you remind me, there's a video I saw on CCP Gray's YouTube channel and it's basically what you would need to do if you wanted to be a dictator. Yeah. Um, and the CCP in China does it really well. You basically need to control propaganda the army mm. and information. Yeah, those three things. Yeah. If you control those three things, you're, mm. you're set. And you have to make sure that those three people that are in charge of those areas either fear you or are in on it. Mm. Like they yeah. can, they can paid sick. Yeah, do you know oh, what I mean? Fear that, that, that's drummed through like terror and stuff. Like if you get out of line, this is what happens. Like you're sending messages and yeah. you're going far out. Like 
But I think you can learn a lot from it. Not, you don't have to use it, obviously, for the bad stuff, but you can understand how things... It can be used for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, so... Yeah, I've always thought that, like, how could you use, um, you know, the, the famous propaganda campaign was uh, the Edward Bernays pushed a campaign with a cigarette company with cigarettes being torches of freedom and uh. made uh, cigarettes because women, they weren't allowed to have cigarettes or some companies wouldn't allow them to have cigarettes and so he made it like a part of the suffragette movement mm. and made completely open cigarettes up to women mm. as part of that and they became the biggest buyers of cigarettes it during is, the 30s. Is there any other, like, I think, wasn't it the same sort of time as like the Reefer Madness campaigns and shit? Was yeah, Reefer like- Madness is a good one. That was um, the Hearst family. Uh, so big publishers who also owned tree plantations and there was a split between hemp and tree plantations on how to make paper and um, hemp was a more effective product. Hemp and cloth, people still used like cloth fibres. I only know this because my dad's a printer and like when we'd go overseas, we'd go to like a paper mill. For fun, yeah, sick. Be, oh, that that fresh smell of, of the paper. fresh You'd be smell loving of paper that, is you? amazing. Yeah. yeah, my dad's obsessed with all types of paper, so we go to like this place in little place in Italy on the south coast, and we'd be buying like this really particular piece of cloth paper, like mm. it's literally made of clothes. Mm. Is there is there any like you're the expert? What's the best paper? Um, I think hemp paper is more effective. It's better for the environment. Mm. Oh, I like that. We just had we had a pod this morning with a dude that. Oh yeah, hey Bud Skincare. I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah, but yeah. They're the hemp, the hemp skincare. So Robbie's been eating them at home. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it basically <laughs> breaks down completely. Yeah, yeah. Paper does, but it takes a lot longer. Mm. Um, it doesn't break down as well if it goes into the water system. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, the biggest paper mills in the world they're in China and they're all paper yeah. based. Yeah. So it's just how it is. Um, I was going to say, do you guys? So you've watched this doco on Netflix. Mm. Did they cover Hussein yet? Saddam Hussein yet? Yeah. Um, have you seen the clip about how he has like all the people who didn't vote for him or some shit and they wheel them outside and they just execute them yeah, on the spot? Yeah, they talked about that. It's crazy. Yeah. Fear. If you don't vote for me, you're, you're gone. I can't believe it. It's just even it's like, fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, crazy shit. And to, yeah. to think it's not even that long ago, you know. It was like it, the late 70s, early yeah, 80s. and even like you look at the thing, the, the genocide thing in the Philippines or whatever, you go on, that literally wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it's crazy shit. The world's a bit weird, isn't the it? The world's a bit weird, yeah. It is crazy. All right, let's talk about Wellbeing's group. So you guys co-founded this with Tammy Martin. Uh, so I think from a previous episode in your podcast, you describe the group as digital strategy brand consulting. Sounds about right. Yeah. So Wellbeing's group is pretty much for us, like it's our umbrella company would be, we're going to have a collection of brands that we spin up and businesses that we do. At the moment, we've got two main ones going. One, uh, Wellbeing's digital, which is like a digital performance consultancy. Our background's in like like I said before, agile and lean, like um, coaching, setting up delivery teams, helping that sort of space. So we're really- So lean. you and Tammy have worked together previously on this sort of stuff, so- Yeah, we've, right. we've done it together as a team of two at multiple organizations over the last three years and we've sort of, we jumped ship and how this all played in is that we had, um, I guess, the community that we built through the podcast. We had the skill sets that Tam and I had had in the report we'd built out actually working together mm. over the last few years. We launched this in January this year, so we're out on the tools going and helping different clients and working and doing that. Locke was playing point on the pod and 
Mm. Now we're sort of off the back of that is we've got the consultancy humming and we're launching a bit of a media company. So we've got um, our pod, Tam, our other co-founders, just launched another a pod called You're Killing It with um, Michelle Grace Hunter, who's uh, one of Australia's biggest like music photographers. So we're just going to keep playing that space and see what we can do in that media world. We also had like some brand and talking about e-com space and we've got things up our sleeve. We're going to have a play. Yeah. It's just everything's been It's all busy. exciting, you know. Like I feel like the last like couple of months we've just been going out there trying to grab it, extract as much as we can, bring it all in one place and then build the systems and stuff. So, mm. I mean, yeah, we've got Peter Boll. We've, we've working with him. He's off to Tokyo running in the Olympics at 800 metres. So... We'll be doing podcasts for him and doing a bunch mm. of different stuff. So that's cool. We're pretty lucky. I mean, we, we meet all these amazing people and um, to sit down and pick their brain and be able to work with them. And it's just a fucking dream, really. Well, that talent space is interesting. I'd love to pick your brain on that. Like, mm. why did you go down the TikTok space? And why is that interesting? Like, we look at some of the things that you're doing in terms of talent management. I think it's a really interesting space where, especially in Australia, it's not the biggest market, but no. how big people can get off some of these things in the brand building and yeah it's just it's, it's i just find it so fascinating and interesting oh i love it i mean we got into the space because i got asked to like yeah. we you know we had an agency it was a creative and digital agency but the talent thing happened because we interviewed a creator on the podcast and then she asked me to manage her yeah i like that oh there you go that's what happened with peter Bowl. yeah it's the same shit so things just form don't they and they're just, yeah it's just all right, I guess we're she was like, this. oh, she had a bad experience with her manager in the US. The US system is obviously much more of the Wild West in comparison to here. Mm. You have a lot more rights here in Australia, mm. uh, whether it's through the legal system or little things like um, the MEAA, which is sort of like the union here when it comes to filming and stuff like that. Over there, it's just sort of, unless you're within California, nothing's unionized so nothing's really protected as what you can negotiate with someone um so yeah she just asked me to do that and then her sister asked me she also had a big profile on tiktok and then we're like okay we should probably either um because there's a bit of time going into it we should have a go to market around this and if so what would it look like a couple months later we pitched a bunch of tiktokers because that was sort of our wheelhouse and then yeah now how many creators do we have? Like at least 15 or 16, but I don't Unreal. think we'll ever go past 20. I'd prefer to focus on quality over. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Cause in those, some of those spaces, when you hire too many people, you it's, it is a time intensive industry where you've got it's to very tough. And especially when you don't get the money until after, you know what I mean? Like yeah. most of the time it's, Oh, we'll help you build your profile. We'll help you do blah. But there's no money. You yeah. Know, like the money comes second or the money comes after the profile is built. And well, it's an it's, investment. It's, it's investment like, it's like years. a startup in a yeah. way. Mm. Correct. Like, um, you can listen back to my episode with Christian Hull. He said his manager, when he first took him on, said we we like his agency will not make money from Christian for the first three years. And so at the time, I was like, oh, shit, okay. But in hindsight, it makes sense. Mm. You put in a lot of time. Like I individually meet with every creator once a month to talk about content and monetization strategy mm. and then we've got all sorts of other work whether it's managing campaigns or setting up media kits and stuff like that there is no way that that would it's not i just know from looking at our time tracking system it's not covered yeah. but it's super exciting to think like you know some creators we sign in feb have already doubled their following as of june yeah it's crazy you know they went from 50 to 100,000 some have gone from like 1 mil to 3 mil and it just grows That's and insane. grows and grows does it make you want to start up an account and just go bananas oh and, yeah I just yeah. don't have the time yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I wish I had the time. And that's sort of, you know, again, it comes down to moving the office and hiring a bunch of people. So we have that, I have that time back. We guys obviously prioritize content. You know what I mean? We're sitting in a set, there's fucking cameras everywhere. Mm. Yeah, we've got the world treatment. I feel fantastic, to be honest. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how, how do you juggle doing both? You know, like running a business, setting all these things up, <sighs> looking to set up a new division, but also like we talk about user-generated content, but like self, you're doing your own content. You know, that's how you market. It's very, it very hard. Hand. It's very hard. I mean, these guys helped me out. Um, Jacob and I were trying to do like one video a month or a fortnight on YouTube at one point, but it just got too busy. Um, and I think once we move, we'll be able to hire other people that do tasks that I currently do. Um, there's little, like for example, we need a paid media specialist. We need a, a dedicated strategist because mm -hmm. I'm running the strategy component of client engagements which is normally just a kickoff type thing and then it's managed by Julia and Lauren. But that, you know, that's an hour or two a week with a new client. Mm. That adds up over time if you have a couple of new clients onboarding. Then the podcast, like the podcast research takes a couple hours mm. on top of what Jacob does. So, yeah, how do I do it? I'm going to bed at like 1 a.m. every day at the moment. <laughs> it's not tenable. Well, at least you can just rock up out of bed and just come into this beautiful studio, read yeah. a few books, and get it going. Huh? But I'm just fucking exhausted. Yeah, I can so imagine, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to the move. I definitely think it will help with that. If you guys think, if you were to come back in here three years from now, we're having another coffee. You're happy with how life is looking. Uh, what's happened for you guys to make you happy? Ooh, I, to be honest, I never really think too far ahead. Like, I honestly think to Christmas now, that's sort of where my head's at. I've never been one to set, I know it's weird because a lot of people say set their long-term goals and stuff, but I think everything moves so quickly and things change all the time. So for me, it's just till Christmas, I think. So, mm. But I suppose in three years' time, I just want to be making sure relationships are good, making sure business is good, making sure, yeah, just as, as if it's something similar to this, I'm fucking stoked, you know? Mm. Yeah, I don't think it takes much to keep us... Keep us happy. Yeah, you know, we're pretty simple man. dudes, but I think it'd be nice from a business point of view. Like we've, even though we're not like crazy setting too many goals ahead of what we're doing, it'd be nice to really ramp up our team. If I'm reflecting what we'd like to be for Wellbeings Group, it'd be cool to be at like a 25, 50 headcount consultancy by by that point. But, um, but they're they're the goals. They're so the goals. yeah, they're the goals. Get get some people in for Christmas, like because mm. everything's so manic and crazy now. It's like so hard to sort of look real deep in the future, but we have pillars and goals sort of, mm. you know, to get there. But yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the things you guys do at the moment you don't like? Oh, oh. don't like. Oh, um, there's heaps of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be the same. You know, like life, just <laughs> yeah. things that you have to do shit. You don't like if I could time. choose the things that I did on a weekly basis, if, if I had everyone else doing these other tasks, it would be, occasional client sales, like being in the last sort of conversations. <laughs> yeah. uh, come in when it's good, when it's done. Huh? <laughs> yeah. so come, come hey, Jordy's yeah. here to save the day, aren't yeah. yeah. i got that yeah, deal across that. the line. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that, the podcast, yeah. creating other content, meeting with talent and hiring people. They're the five things I'd like to do. Mm. Everything mm. else, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't like editing. To be, like, I, I hate editing, but I know we have to do it because no one else yeah. is going to do it. But... But actually, I, it gives me a lot more context in the conversation. So I, I can listen back to some of the chats and really understand things a bit better, you know, because as you know, like sometimes you're interviewing people and it's hard. You just try and stay as pre present as possible and absorb the information, but you've always got the next thing to do, you know what I mean? You've mm. got to ask more questions. So editing I don't like, but 
look thinking about it now, it's like it actually, yeah, I can re-listen to the convo and I can do the copy better. It helps you learn, yeah. Yeah, and I can I can absorb it in a different way and absorb it again. And I'd edit in the bath so it's all good. Yeah. You know? It'd be nice to step out of the content. Like we put a lot of content out. We do lots of pods. It would be in terms of the payoff is there for us because it is helping build our brand. It's building our community. We're not spending money on paid ads. So the amount of content that we're putting out there at the moment is necessary but it's cool to be able to like obviously get lock off the tools editing, get us out of even though maybe we change our release schedule of our pods and we have some other things going on that doesn't require us to be so time intensive would be nice. Mm. Um, but as we as we scale and grow, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. we were watching uh, Jacob send me a cool clip from uh, I don't know if you know Linus Tech Tips, but it's like a big sort of reviews channel for technology, computers, phones, all that sort of stuff. And they've done like quite a few cool behind the scenes videos. It's really interesting to see how they pump out content. Mm. It's actually fucking impressive to see how much of a machine they have, yeah. how many fucking editors they have. They have something like what, 20 editors, you reckon? I've got 45 employees all up, I think. Yeah. Really? So they probably like 10 admin staff, yeah. including management. Mm. Um, and then just a bunch of editors, a bunch of people working on sound stages, stuff like that. It's really impressive. It's crazy. And I like a lot of people like for our pod, it's like show notes and all that. It's like, fuck, it's just me and you. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and we do five pods a week. So it's like, sorry, this sorry is what you're getting at the moment. But yeah, like <laughs> we definitely want to eventually make things easier. And like we've been saying for a long time, we need to do sort of more micro content, make it easy for a community to share the pod and share stuff. So we know we need to do that. It's just sequencing trade-offs yeah like trade-offs we yeah. go we had to trade off going we could if we had to go exactly how we would love to release each, each episode if we had to set up like yourself and we had someone editing we could cut up video we could do show notes we can do micro content we can do bite-sized fucking clips of whatever mm. that'd be sick but we definitely couldn't release five pods a week yeah yeah and, and for us that's that's been the advantage of what it is is that more 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 content gets more eyes different networks different communities and that's been uh, like that's been our advantage, I think. And yeah. we will do paid ads and stuff like that in future. Like we're not just saying we're not doing paid ads because we don't do it like that. We're we're going to be doing all everything, I think. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah. So before we get into some rapid fire questions, what what do you guys wish you got asked more from people? Oh, wish we got asked. What do you wish you could talk about more um, that you don't have the room for in the podcast? Or you're asking good questions. You're making I don't me know. think. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we sort of tyrants. The cool thing we, though, the, yeah, the cool thing is like we literally ask questions that we actually need help with. So it's yeah, like that's the, it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. So it's like, oh, really? Like, we, how do you do that? You know, literally, you go like that, taking notes. So yeah, I think the cool thing about having a podcast is you don't. We can. It's, you can do whatever you want. You can ask any topic. It's your show. You can ask any question you want. So. There, um, there are times though, like, cause it's, you're all consumed in, in the world of business. We're running our own business. We're doing a business podcast. It's like, there's some days where it's like, fuck, I'd love to talk about sport. Yeah. Sport. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sport's a good one. Yeah. We both love footy and shit. So, but like, no one really wants to hear about footy, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, I don't know how you feel about, how you guys feel about this, but I reckon particularly AFL media is so fucking boring. And it's ripe for change. Oh. I think it's depressing too. Yeah, and the way I honestly think, the way commentators talk about players, it's just weird. It's all so negative and yeah. like, I know they pump a few players up, but it's such a brutal industry. Like you've been in it. It's yeah. just, I got, I got, you know, we've got friends and co like cousin Rourke posts with the doggies and that. And you just, you see some of the stuff that they, it's just, it's strange, isn't it? I think there's a lot of systemic issues that come out through that. And a lot of people end up, I think you look at the types of people that either 
in the footy industry specifically who either transition into media roles mm-hmm. or transition into club roles. So they're development coaches, they're assistant coaches, they work in mm. company admin, whatever. And most of the people that get those opportunities are footy heads. What's a footy head? Footy head, someone who's been through the system, done that. They know me like footy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really difficult thing when you see these people and like mental health comes to the forefront of everything that's going on. But I think that I've experienced coming out of the the system, a lot of people struggle with that, like I've mentioned before, that personal identity, self-worth, all that sort of stuff. And you see it projected in the commentary where people might have had issues themselves and they're talking about some poor 19-year-old bloke out there has a miss kick and they're Mm. berating him like he shouldn't be on a list. Yeah. I know, you're yeah, yeah. You're fucking weird. kidding, aren't And you? if you show a bit of pizzazz and you got other stuff going, it's more like... It's He's just not taking like, it serious. Yeah, it's t- it's the tall poppy syndrome thing. It's the boys club yeah. bullshit. And I think, I love footy, but I hate that part of yeah. it. Well, it's mainly know? opinion. It's yeah. not It's not anything factual. Like, I love the sort of data analysts that have come out of the AFL world in the last couple of years. Mm. Um the squiggle is like a good example where they collate all this data around like machine learning for for teams and stuff. And that inside is really interesting but no one does that in sort of mainstream afl i can't watch that shit yeah. well, have, there's no money now to pump it in Pardon? Well, it's not the same now you think like think of how many staff had to get cut from all these different they're all those they're almost like nice to have or luxuries to have like if you've got a data analyst that can tell you all this sort of stuff maybe it's not as important the person who's going to be taping the ankles you know like yeah. if you're going to keep a physio or keep a data analyst yeah. like now all the budgets got slashed. It was sad times last year for yeah. footy. Mm. And then you look at people like Corey Homicide Williams. I don't know if you've come across his stuff, the basketball. He does basketball commentary for the NBL. He's part of the street ball team and stuff. He American dude from New York, I think, from the Bronx mm. and stuff. Um, and the way he's sort of changed the Australian, like the Australian commentary on sport is totally different. He pumps everyone up. He's out there crazy. He's pretty brutal on teams and stuff too, yeah. but it's just it's kind of the American flavour to the Aussie sports, which I like to see. I like to see... You know, a bit more personality. Yeah, Aussie, yeah. Aussie sports and like I think about some of the media training that everyone has. It's like you listen to every single person be a it's robot and thing. say the same yeah. shit. Yeah. And it's like Thanks for nothing. Thanks yeah. for nothing. Yeah. You waste our time nice. and that's on for half an hour. You yeah. Know? Yeah, when they do the the, the PR interviews, yeah. like it's just so it's a great four quarter effort by the oh, boys. Yeah, the and we, we really stuck to the game plan and such and such did great yeah. job yeah. down back on such and such <laughs> and all right, thanks. Yeah, and, you, know, uh, you know, take each week as it comes. Yeah. You said this today. Imagine someone come out and they kick four by half time and said, I want fucking fire. Yeah, you know? I'm on fire. Can't Someone wait to come out. Me. Yeah, yeah, you know I can't I mean? wait to come like, out after half time. Well, I think even supporters would be like gravitating. Like, I love the fact that he does that. And he like, even you look at like people like Akamatis. Yeah, he was polarizing and stuff, but he backed it up. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And it made you want to watch the game. It was entertaining. That's what I think sport is. It's entertainment. I'd agree with that. You know? Yeah, it's 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 really weird. I love barstool sports. Yeah, in America, I love the way that they do commentary. It's so real. I yeah. like how they do everything. Really, they do yeah. everything. Yeah, their um, content's grouse and the ringer and things the like ringer. That. Yeah. Love the ringer. There's another guy as well who got deep on AFL last year. American dude, and Pat he interviewed McAfee. Mason. Who? Pat, is it Pat, Pat McAfee? Yeah, is yeah. that him? Yeah, he interviewed Mason Cox. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he went deep on AFL, and they just that sort of new media. Like we're always behind with things here in Australia, but. Mm. Um, I'm surprised organisations like Croc Media, you know, old mate Hutchie, they haven't done anything like that, but it's still yeah. just like digital, the footy bros, yeah. but but digital. Well, yeah. yeah, even sports culture and stuff like that, there's just, there's not enough, there's not enough around, is it? Well, talking about, I think it comes back to what you were talking about before, is like monetization. A lot of people come, it's like, hey, I can go do the same talk and such and such channel will pay me to be on there. It's a lot, diff- it's a lot more difficult, you're going to start your own media thing, you'll start your own thing where you can Stick build up enough. Yeah. 
uh, build enough a big enough or listener base that you can figure out monetization strategies that aren't going to burn the people who listen to you. Mm. And I think that that's why in Australia, we don't have the biggest audience. There's not the biggest market here. And if you're specifically making things that's a niche, like AFL footy, right? It's such a niche because it's not played in any other country. Mm. So yes, you've got the footy nuffies who listen to that sort of stuff or the sports <laughs> nuffies that love that, that mm. sort of content. But you're not hitting the markets the same as like the NBA and all this yeah. stuff because I, I just think there's real room for that here. Like Nuffies on AFL pages is so fucking funny. I love that shit. Classic <laughs> footballers and stuff. Like that's our sense of humor and stuff. And that, that sort of takes us back to our, you know, child not childhoods, but you know, growing up and stuff. Like I, I do love talking shit. Well, it's just about, real. Yeah. It's like yeah. what Brown Cardigan is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. was it Adam McPhee had the dreads? Adam McPhee? No, Courtney Johns, wasn't it? Courtney Johns had the, had the dreads. Adam McPhee had the dreads, though. Did he? he? Long, oh, no, he I used to work at Jetty Surf at Brody and Adam McPhee came in once. <laughs> Did he? That was a big big day for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just got a quick question for you on Unified Group. Have you guys had much time to, to work with, um, is it Jadan? Jaden? Jaden, yeah. Jaden Comerford, yeah. 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 So, yeah, we, we signed a deal with uh, Unified Group. When was it? I think in November. Last year. Last year. So, yeah, so we've, we've worked with them on a few things. Like, we done a live show at 170 Russell, which was epic. I mean, we had uh, Nick Crocker. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. We had Nick Crocker, Erica Giratsu, you know. Yeah. And um, who's the other one that we had? Come on. Oh, mate, Alex Zachariah from Linktree. The, the man, <laughs> the myth. Yeah, he's a cool dude. So, experiences like that and playing a live show at 170 Russell and that, that's just fucking nuts. So yeah, we've, we, we work closely with Jaden um, and Dan Nascimento too. So he was more day-to-day sort of stuff and he looks after bands like Ocean Alley, Jackbots. Um, so yeah, so we, yeah, we, we've done a bit of work with them. Um, I think since the last couple of weeks, we're going to be working to, uh, working together in the future on a few things. But D- different format. Different format. Yeah. So we're, we're going to move away from the management. Manager. They appreciate all the help and everything that's gone to this point in time. But for us, it's like same as we need to build out our internal processes. We need to be able to scale the things that we do. And I guess that model for us and how it would work is just it didn't 100% line up, but not in a bad way. We've had a, a good experience like being in that world and understanding what goes into especially talent management and mm. just the industry of like the entertainment space and how it sort of works it's oh I can, for a bloke who's in it it's just so fascinating you know like did you did you guys pick up much on how their business is structured because i find it totally fascinating like this guy's got one of the biggest entertainment businesses and he's virtually unknown in the business not virtually unknown but he's not well known in the business space mm. like you wouldn't see him doing an interview for the afr no and i think that's mainly because of the format of the talent that he's, you know, oh, he likes to play behind the scenes too, though. Pardon? He likes to play behind the scenes, though. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, he does. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we like being the center of attention, and we love, <laughs> we, we love doing stuff like this, you know. So yeah. it's a different world, though. I think that yeah. if you look at the music industry and how it developed pre-digital, that's how things worked. That's how industries work. People got things done, and that's how it is. But now, in terms of awareness and growth and how things work in digital space, if you're not forefront and here I am, this is what I do. It's very hard to cut through and yeah. if you haven't already built that that rep up. Yeah, we've we've pitched him to have him on. Uh, mm. Hopefully we can have him on later in this year. I think Zachariah is coming in at some point, isn't he? August, I think. Yeah, August. You like that. Hey, he's a good dude, Alex. He's, he's a, really he's a nice. Really... Yeah, he's, he works hard. <laughs> he's a hard, hard worker, yeah. So if you want any dirt on him, just let us know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be messaging you guys. Yeah. All right, two questions to finish off. Best purchase under $200. <laughs> for for me, it was a birthday present, so it was for free, and it was one of their massage gun things. Oh, you know, fairy gun? Yeah, but it's not a fairy. It was like the might be the Rivers or Aldi version of that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I got that for for Christmas uh, for my birthday. Sorry, so I've been smacking that on the legs and arms pretty much every day. That's good. <laughs> well, I don't mind that. Ours, I reckon mine's probably like USB mic. 
Yeah, we, we picked it up for under, under, under 200 bucks and we started our pod and that yeah. was, that's sort of, I haven't bought much else lately. Yeah. Surfboards aren't. Surfboards, yeah. I bought there, but they're not under 200 they're not bucks. Under, they're definitely not under 200 bucks. If you guys could have a billboard anywhere, where would it be and what would it say? He's got a funny story because we actually wanted to do a billboard. We were actually looking into it and we we're like, let's just fucking do it. So yeah. For those who, who grew up in Melbourne, I don't know if you've been across the Balti and used to remember that massive billboard that used to say for cuck. Yeah. We wanted to do, because you see, you still drive past there now. This is something, when you sent that question through, we laughed because like we were talking about this the other day. Yeah. Get a big thing for Funny Business said, remember when this used to say for cuck, Funny Business Podcast. And that was, and it would go bananas because it was the same billboard for 10 years. And really? that would be, that would be. Well, you might be making that up. 10 I years was. is a long time. Meek Moi and the Triple M thing was up for a bit. I think it may be five years. It was years. there quite a while though. Yeah. It was there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a couple, I remember. Yeah, I, like, it sticks out in my head, you know. Yeah. How often do you, how, are the, how many other billboards do you still remember? It's sort of like said? growing up in the southeastern suburbs, you go up Nepean Highway and there's that light store that Hamish and Andy covered once and it's like it's always got a closing down sale or big sa- and there's a big billboard on top of this old, yeah. old building and you can see it from a mile away and it's been there for probably 50, since I remember life. Like <laughs> that's how long it's been Shit. there. 20 years, I reckon. Could you see yourself, just you and the team up there on the billboard? <laughs> Something uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, no, to be honest, I would like the, the idea that we had is um, the artwork and then something like Hey Siri or Hey Alexa play Uncommon. Well, I like that. That was the sort of idea. I like that. Yeah. See, I, I love this shit. I can talk about this. Like getting creative and that sort of stuff. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, Siri. They're listening. They're always They're listening. They're always fucking listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I loved, I loved riffing on that shit. Yeah, it's fun. I think that's what people, if you're going into the content space or you're starting a business and stuff, you really have to love the creative side if you're doing that part. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the, I don't know. I never thought I'd be into it, but. Well, you have to I be am. creative too because there's so many yeah. shit. There's so much shit out there that if you want, like you can't be boring. You got to get cut through. Yeah. You got to have a hook. But it's the art give, of the hook. You need to give yourself space too, I think. Like especially if you're constantly working and doing tasks and stuff, you really need to, it's like what everyone says, you know, like your best ideas come in the shower and shit when you're not sort of working on stuff. Like, I agree with that. Yeah, like setting out my day, like you you laugh because I literally take like half days off and just dance around the house and play music and just think about stuff, you know what I mean? And then I, if I have an idea, I can just action it straight away. But it's not like oh, I'm thinking now, you know what I mean? It's more like, oh, I'm just cruising and just giving myself that. Hmm. Opportunity to m- maybe there is something there. You know? We're on the FaceTime. You got the bubbles on the head. You know, yeah, the bath, so I, think you know? I have three o'clock baths. Yeah. So you like you really like baths. Well, that's my only, well that's my only hobby. So it's a bit sad. But I don't I don't like running. I, lo- I, I love a good bath, man. Yeah. I love being. That was the thing I missed during COVID is being able to get like a massage or something like that. I used to do that maybe once a fortnight. Like we'd be going to gym, I get real sore, and mm. so you get like a regular sort of physio massage. Yeah. Um, that's sort of my guilty pleasure, so to speak. Baths are good, but the bath we have here is shit. Have you have you ever had a have you ever done the float tank? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I used, right. used to work at the one at Beyond Rest uh, in Paran for about six that's or seven right. months, and that was that was the sickest job. Honestly, that was so good. You just floated all the way home. Yeah, I floated <laughs> all the way home. You go on you go on Chapel Street, and all the lights are so fucking bright. So yeah. I tried the first ever. This is when I was deep on Tim Ferriss. The first ever float tank here in Victoria was that like a woman's sort of, um, I don't know if it was a nail salon or like a, they did waxing or something like that, but they had a, yeah. it was in Altham mm. and they had a random float tank just in this room, mm. right? And that was my first experience with a float tank. I was like, fuck, this is the only place you can do it. And it was expensive yeah, too. Right. It was like a hundred bucks or more even. How was your first time? It was a bit <laughs> freaky, I was, yeah. if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Like the... 
I kept having to keep like a little bit of light on. Yeah. Because the lack of sensory sort of anything was yeah. like, oh, shit. Your head feels like a soccer ball floating in the ocean. Yeah. I remember the, the first time, I, the thing that got me hooked was obviously the Joe Rogan thing when it, he was talking about all that stuff and we had a, had a friend um, and he's like, I've been there, I've done it, come with me. So I went there, done it, and I saw Gene Simmons's face with his tongue out with my eyes closed. I'm like, I'm tripping out. I'm like <laughs> hallucinating off nothing here. Like, <laughs> it was just crazy. And I, from then I was just hooked on that. It, it really helps you fucking relax and just I still never done clear one. your head. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I might go do one this weekend if this is open. But don't shave before you, before you go in. I don't know if you've ever shaved because I've got a bald head. Okay. So um, if, I, if I shaved and nicked a bit and jumped in that, it, it is, hurts. It's yeah. painful. Yeah. Is there one in particular that you recommend here locally? Uh, Beyond Rest is the one that I floated uh, or worked at and floated at all the time, that one on yeah. High Street, um, Nick, Nick Dunnan. He's doing an amazing job there. So that's always a good – I think a lot – we had like Michelle Payne. We had the Collingwood footballers, people like Mason Cox come in. Really? So it was crazy. That was a sick job actually. Looking back, I'd set all the rooms up, customer connection, talk to them after the float, talk about what they were experiencing and – it was a new thing for a lot of people, so. You were in the biggest zen mode ever. We yeah. Had, we were living together and we had this back room. It was sort of like, I don't know, maybe half the size of this room we're in now and we called it the zen room. Yeah, huh? the zen room. <laughs> Put some fairy lights up and Put just some charge fairy the crystals. Lights in, charge the crystals and we're good to go. That's the shit. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming in. Uh, where can people find you guys on the interwebs? Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, uh, Spotify, Apple, all the places that you listen to pods and yeah, us personally, you can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn, Lachlan Bradford, Robbie Hicks. That's about it. I think that's it. Yeah. We'll make sure we link all of that, but um, thank you for coming in. Mate, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's such a beautiful space. So awesome. yeah, really appreciate it. I feel, feel like we've got the Royal treatment. So thank you. <laughs> thanks gents. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you do like it, please subscribe and, of course, like if you're watching the YouTube video as well. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. You can also find our Clips channel in the description. For audio, if you're not already listening, you can search Uncommon on Pocket Cast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts quite easily. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon on YouTube. And for behind-the-scenes takes and clips... Uh, on social media then definitely check out at uncommon underscore show on instagram but otherwise look thanks so much for tuning in and until next time thanks for listening